0: welcome everyone to another episode of heavy Forehands hands with toro this is your host felipe acosta and i hope you guys are doing great this week in the u.s it's gonna be thanksgiving on thursday so we're getting ready to eat a lot of good food including some good turkey and some yams and hopefully some good I don't know cheesecake or something else i love my sweets And then what else is going on here? Uh, Today, oh, it's elections day in Argentina. So hopefully we get the best outcome for my fellow Argentinians. My family is still there, so I'm, I'm always cheering for Argentina and I'm going back in December. So I will see my fellow friends in a couple of weeks from now. Today, we're gonna be discussing the final between Djokovic and Sinner in the ATP World Tour Finals. In Torino, Sina was the local player, people were cheering for him really hard. And it was a great tournament, actually. Really good quality. Uh, I usually say that the quality of this tournament drops because it plays so late in the year. But actually, we seen some great matches. And I really enjoyed in the last couple of days, the semifinals as well as the final were really interesting. Uh, so yeah, guys, let's get at it. Alright guys, before getting going with the final between Joko and sinner let's discuss the semi-final matchups where sinner beat Medvedev on a great match actually. It was the first semi-final played between the two and sinner beat Medvedev 6-1 in the third set. It was a really a good battle in the first two sets. Medvedev really grinded out in that second set. He took it to a breaker and he was actually hitting the ball really big. You could see him like really grunting and getting after his shots. But that third set, Sinner was a much better player. Medvedev couldn't keep up that intensity and Sinner broke right away and took the third set 6-1. And it was what I was expecting actually. The last three matches between the two, Sinner has been the better player. I believe the first three or four times they play, Danny was kind of like driving him crazy, making a lot of balls, and sinner was rushing. But now Siena ha- kind of found a way of getting to the rally and waiting a couple of one or two balls before pulling the trigger. Because Janik feels really comfortable with uh, Medvedev's ball, but Medvedev is a little bit late when sinner is getting after his shots all the time. I remember the first couple of times they were playing, Sinner was missing a lot of shots. Uh, but now Sinner is a way more patient player and he, his stamina is really good. So he can play like three hours straight at good intensity. And he doesn't have to go for winners all the time. So good for Sinner reaching the final at his home. And all the the players, uh, I mean, all the spectators they were going crazy. They were singing Ole, 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 Ole. Sinner, Sinner. They were like an Argentinian crowd, right? Like the, the Italians are really passionate, so that's that's really fun. And then on the other side, you have Djokovic beating Carlos Alcaraz in a straight set match, 6-3, 6-2. And I think it's the first time between the two that they don't uh, they don't go to like a starting set or I think it's the first time that one of the players doesn't take a set from the other one in, in a match. I believe the, the first time they played was in Madrid 2022. It was a three-setter. Then they played in the French Open this year, and it was a four-setter. Then they played the final win, it was a five-setter. Then they played three sets in Cincinnati. And now Djokovic beat Carlos, really easy, 6 And Carlos was really off. The whole tournament he was playing uh, not his best tennis. He played a really good match against Dani Medvedev. But he's been complaining about the court the whole tournament. He's saying that the court is too fast and he's catching the ball late, that he's not feeling the ball. And in the last three months, Carlos has not been playing his best tennis, honestly. I think he's been... He's been too passive with his shots. He's been rallying too much instead of going after his shots. And the time he goes after his shots, he's been missing. So he's been struggling to find that balance. And Carlos went into this match saying, OK, I'm gonna just going to rip the ball from the first ball and try to play one, two punches. And early in the first game of the set, he had a chance to break to Nole. He was 540 in the first game of Djokovic serving and hitting, like, two or three winners. But then he started rushing and started missing, like, a lot of balls. And Djokovic played really solid throughout the match. And Carlos was up and down. Like, sometimes he he was connecting a lot of winners uh, and serving really well. But then, as the match went on, he couldn't hit winners in the first or second ball. And and the times he beat Joko he was getting into the rallies and there were a lot of rallies between at least five, six, seven, eight balls and then pulling the trigger. But in this match, he went ahead and said, okay, I'm going to pull the trigger right away and see if I can connect a couple of winners and maybe take the difference. But it didn't work. Djokovic, he said after the match that that was the best match he played in the whole tournament. As you guys remember, Djokovic, Play the first match against Rune, beat him in the third set in a great battle. Then lost against Sinner, and then beat Hurkacz. and then went into this match raising his level. Like he served really well and returned really well, so which means that he was on his serve he was dictating and play, and on the sec- on the returning side he was making Carlos play and play all over and over, and over again. So. Carlos, I think he has some things to work on. He has to record his confidence confidence going into 2024. I think he's going to take maybe two weeks off, try to recharge. uh, And I think physically he's kind of tired. I mean, it's been a long year and a really successful year for him. He had a great 2022. And always after having a good year, you need to rectify, do it again in the next year. And he did it. He won a major. He was number one. The war for a long period of weeks, uh, but Djokovic, man, he's freaking unbeatable. Sometimes is uh, I used to believe that Federer played the best tennis in in history. Like when Federer was playing a hundred percent, was better than Djokovic. But now I'm thinking that when Djokovic is a hundred percent, is much better than Roger because he you cannot hit a winner to that guy. Like he covers the whole court. Um, and he's 36 years old. That's freaking amazing. So yeah, that's the summary of the two semifinal matchups. And going into the final between Sinner and Joko. Sinner beat Joko in the group stage. And and there's kind of like curiosity before uh, heading to the semifinals. If Sinner would have lost against Rune in straight sets, then Djokovic would not have made the semifinals. So people were saying, Sinner should have lost against Rune, so he will have a chance to win the, the whole tournament. Because the commentators and people in the tennis media were saying there is no chance that Sinner is going to beat Djokovic twice in the same tournament. And I cannot tend to agree with that. Personally, ha- that happened to me. I remember the last kind of like official tournament I played at Utah State. I beat a guy um, on a Sunday, and then we went to play a conference tournament in the following week, and I ended up losing against that guy in the following match, which is only a one-week difference, but sometimes that opponent has the chance to adjust. And even more like a guy like Djokovic, he can... um, Played really low level in the group stage because he has some margin of error. He knows that even losing a match, he can still qualify to the semifinals. And Sinner played lights out in that group stage. So it was going to be really hard for Sinner to keep up that level that he had in the group stage. So starting in the match between Sinner and Joko, early in the third game of the match, uh, Sinner got broken. Um, and there's another curiosity here that in the deuce point, Sinner hit a really good ball through the middle, um, and the umpire and the ref call it out. Sinner didn't ask for the challenge, and then the Hawkeye says that the ball was in, but it was only seen uh, on the TV, but not on the actual court. So Sinner didn't challenge the ball, and, and it was asked for Djokovic. And Djokovic broke the set of Sinner. So early on the match, Sinner was down 2-1. And he had to start grinding from behind. And something that I realized early on was that Sinner was kind of like rallying too much with Djokovic. And I think he shouldn't have rushed and go for the first ball, like winner, like Carlos Alcaraz did. But in order to beat Djokovic, you need to go through him a little more like rally in the first one two balls but then you need to change the pace because if you play at a pace that is always the same ball Djokovic is going to start feeling better and better throughout the game throughout the sets and he gets into a rhythm that he's not going to miss and also Djokovic something that he did really well was mixing up the paces sometimes he hit a slice sometimes like a, a little loopy ball and and likes to hit the same ball over and over again, so sometimes he was kind of off. And if you go and rewatch the match, you guys gonna you're gonna see that he shanked a lot of balls, especially in the forehand side. I think throughout the first set and maybe first five six games of the second set, he missed sixteen shots on the forehand side. Sixteen unforced errors. Those are four games. So that's a really significant stat. So Siena always going from behind and Djokovic serving really well. He didn't give a chance in the first set. He took his 6-3. And really early on in the second, he broke again 2-0. And he looked like he was going to pull the trigger right away and go up 3-0. Siena saved a couple of break points there. And Djokovic had an easy passing shot that he, he hit the left tape and it went out. So Sinner got a bit lucky and kind of like scrambled to try to get the match at least to a one game difference and only one break of difference. And Djokovic continued to serve. Well, again, on the 2-4, so Sinner serving 2-4, Djokovic had a chance to break again, three or four break points. It was a 50-minute long game. Sinner won that game. Joey went to serve 3-4 and the stadium was pretty hyped actually. Um, yeah, the stadium was thinking okay, finally we have a match and maybe Gianni can take it to the third set. Even on the box of Sinner, Darren Cahill was standing up, he was clapping, they were getting fired up, Sinner was lifting his fist uh, and it seemed that he had a chance to maybe get a break and put the match up for all Djokovic went on to serve. He was 5-40, and Djokovic was really pushing the ball. He was really scary. I don't know if scary, it was one, a little more tentative. Um, But then he served well, and he made more balls than Sinner, and Sinner rushed. He missed a couple of um, down-the-line backhand that he missed by one meter. So Sinner didn't take his chances. He to serve 3-5, and then his mind was kind of off, um, and he got broken again for Djokovic take the match 6-3, 6-3. Djokovic, number one in the world, and I think, without discussion, the best player of all time and the best player right now. And honestly, I used to believe that Carlos Alcaraz was going to be the guy to take him down. After seeing that Wilmington final, but now I see there's a big difference in level. I think if Djokovic plays well, he's gonna beat anyone. Regardless of the final score, Sinner had a great tournament, great year. He won his first um, ATP 1000 event this year after, I think, losing two or three finals. And I think he believed he beat like 10 top 10 players. Or ten, the, he won the last ten matches against top ten players, uh, but Djokovic in the final. So next year, I think between Djokovic, Carlos, and Janik, is gonna be a battle. But I think um, Djokovic has the leg up there. He has the advantage of already won twenty four majors and I don't know how many Master one thousand events, and he's still hungry. He's not. He's not going to slow down. He's ready to continue winning more titles. And 2024 is going to be an interesting year. I think we have the Olympics coming up. And it will be nice that um, Medvedev also can compete against these guys. So we have at least four players that are going to be competitive in the majors, at least on hard court, And we'll see if Rafa, as you guys know, I've been talking about the Rafa comeback in the last couple of episodes. And I'm pretty excited. But I don't know if his um, physique, his stamina is going to be there. If he's going to be the same explosiveness and uh, also the same mentality. I wonder after one year without competing, if he's going to still be having that grit, that grinder mentality and that willingness to, to win and go after it. Or if he's going to be more, uh, okay, I'm just going to enjoy myself play some tennis and be healthy and just travel to tournaments for one time we'll see what kind of mentality rafa will bring in 2024 but anyways i'm excited um i think now we only have a couple of more tournaments on the challenger side maybe and then davis cup is yes davis cup is coming up next week i think it's gonna be the last year that they do a whole tournament in one weekend or one week. Hopefully, you get back to the usual format, where you play one match or one weekend, and then you wait for two months and you play another match in two months, and I think since the Davis Cup changed, when Pique took cover, um, I actually didn't like the new format of playing everything in one weekend. I think you lose the the essence of the Davis Cup, but we'll see what happens. And and then there won't be any tennis until the end of December where some tournaments in Australia, some exhibitions at Abu Dhabi will begin and those tournaments are the preparation before the Australian Open, which still, we are pretty far away from the Australian Open. I think we're like 55 days away from the Australian Open. And... But it's fine. I think players need to rest, need to get ready. A lot of players um, didn't play the best 2023. For example, Casper Root didn't play so well in the last six months of the year. I think he only played the French Open fairly decently and then his level dropped. Uh, Other players such as Taylor Fritz also towards the last part of the year didn't compete at his best level, level. Tiafoe, the same. And we'll see if those guys can be competitive against those four guys that I was talking about. But anyways, guys, that's all what I have for today. I hope you guys enjoy watching Djokovic and Sinner. They are great competitors. And hopefully we have more matchups like this in 2024. All right, guys, that's all what I have for today. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. And we will see you in the next one next week when talking about the davis cup and as one more reminder to you guys to follow me on social media at feliacosta1 on instagram and follow heavy four hands with toro on your desired platform all right guys take care